0: Happy Mother's Day! Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to remind you too. We have a flower, the roses out there, but there's also a little bench out there in the hall. You might have noticed with a flower garland around it. We encourage you to take some photos with Mom. Gather around there, just as a nice little remembrance for for the day, along with your flower. So,
1: I have a suggestion also: is when you're praying. If you're anything like me, when you grew up, uh, after before you're done praying, ask Jesus to go and tell your mom you're sorry. <laughs> if she's got, already gone on, to be. With if the she's Lord. already gone oh. on, my mom's in heaven, and so that's. I always tell them, Jesus, you know, tell my mom I'm sorry. <laughs> So, I'm sure ready? he delivers that. <laughs>
0: um, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, I thought, well, it's Mother's Day, and we, we're going to continue on with our series on, with First Peter, but I found a few jokes, okay? I'm not really a joke teller, but here's a few of them. that get a few chuckles, okay? So, the son said to the mom, Mom, can I get $20? And the mom said, You know, does it look like I'm made of money? And he said, Well, doesn't that, isn't that what M O M stands for? Made of money. (laughs) All right. What did the baby corn say to the mama corn? Where's popcorn? Mm -hmm. Why is a computer so smart? Because it always listens to its motherboard. You ready for some more? Why did the cookie cry? Yeah, why did the cookie cry? When we find the answer here, yeah, <laughs> because his mother was a wafer too long. Wafer, wafer. His mother was a wafer too. All right. Yeah. What did the lazy boy say to his mom on Mother's Day when she was in the kitchen ready to do the dishes? Relax, mom. You can all do those all in the morning. What did the the mama spider say to the baby spider? You spend too much time on the web. What did the mother broom say to the baby broom? It's time to go to sleep. Wow. (laughs) I have a few more. (laughs) So the science teacher asked... When is the boiling point reached? And the kid said, when my mother sees my report.
1: card." <laughs> yep, I know that one.
0: <laughs> and whoever wrote the song, Easy Like Sunday Morning, did not have kids. <laughs> 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 yeah. And so, okay, my nickname is Mom, but my full name is Mom, 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 <laughs> Mom, Right? Yeah. (laughs) Of course, I hate when I'm waiting for a mom to cook dinner, and then I remember, wait, I'm the mom, (laughs) and I have to cook the dinner, right? (laughs) And the last one, I want my children to grow up and have all the things that I couldn't afford, and then I want to go and move in with them, right? (laughs) Right? all right that's workable that's workable where's my son is he in here yeah right I want him to hear that one yeah my daughter that's how it is right yeah so okay so we're going to continue on with our series first Peter we're still we're going to finish up chapter one today an eternal perspective we hope we will we will we we, we have a goal here we're going to do it we have a goal Uh, an eternal perspective in troubling times. So if you will, before we pray, just open your Bibles if you have them with you. If you need a Bible, raise your hand or get your device out. <clears throat> yep. That's so convenient. But I would encourage you, I don't know, I guess in my age, I, I still like my paper Bible because I can write notes. You can, you can write notes, I, I know, on an electronic device, but somehow it's just different. So open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter one. And we're going to pray before we approach the word of God. So, Father, we thank you. Uh, We are so grateful, Lord, for this day. This is the day you've made. And so we'll rejoice and be glad in it. We're grateful for Jesus. We're grateful for his obedience to complete the plan of redemption for us. We're grateful that we have a word of God. Yes. You know, And we're grateful for you, Holy Spirit, that you dwell on the inside of every believer to help lead us and guide us into all the truth. And we thank you that we can know that your word is true. And so unveil our eyes today as we look into the truth. We want to see you better, Jesus. We want to know you better. Help us to be obedient children. Help us, Lord, to fix our eyes on the things that are eternal and what's going to matter in a billion years from now in eternity? Lord, we want to know that. We want to live with that perspective. And so help us, Lord, to set our lives apart for you. We want to live lives that are pleasing to you. And uh, we look forward to your, your second coming, Jesus, as our Savior and our King. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, First Peter, I'm going to read a portion of it, and then Pastor Steve's going to read. First Peter, we're going to start in verse 14. Uh, if you've not been with us, we've been going through these first verses, and so you can always uh, listen to the podcast. You can go online, listen on YouTube. First Peter, chapter one, verse fourteen. It says, "Live as children of obedience to God. Do not conform yourselves to the evil desires that governed you in your former ignorance, when you didn't know the requirements of the gospel. But as the one who called you is holy, you yourselves also be holy." and all your conduct and manner of living. For it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Verse 17, and if you call upon him as your father, who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in reverent fear of him and with profound respect for him throughout the time of your stay on earth. Mm -hmm. Verse 18, you must know and recognize that you were redeemed and ransomed from the useless fruitless way of living inherited by tradition from your forefathers not with corruptible things such as silver and gold
1: but you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ like that of a sacrificial lamb without blemish or spot it is true that he was chosen and foreordained before the foundation of the world but he was brought out into public view Made manifest in these last days for the sake of you. Through him you believe in God, who raised him up from the dead and gave him honor and glory, so that your faith and your hope are centered and rest in God. Since by your obedience to the truth through the Spirit you have been purified, you, ha- you have purified your hearts for a sincere affection of the brethren. See that you love one another fervently from a pure heart. You have been regenerated, born again, not from mortal origin, seed or sperm, but from the one that is immortal by the ever living and lasting word of God. For all flesh, mankind is like grass in all its glory, honor like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower drops off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Yes. And this is the word. And this word is the good news. Yes. Which was preached to you. Yes. yes.
0: Praise God. So this uh, letter, we call it sometimes we'll say the book of First Peter. But it was really written as a letter to the churches. It was written by the apostle Peter to the early churches. It was written about 30 years or so in 63 or so AD, 30 years or so after Jesus died and was raised and ascended back into heaven. And so Peter's writing now from Rome and the early church is experiencing a lot of persecution. Uh, Nero, some of you may have know a little bit of church history, Nero was the emperor at that time. Very cruel, wicked man. he actually burned down the city of Rome. He took nine days, he literally burned down the city of Rome because he wanted to just build it back better the way he wanted to do it. And of course the people rebelled against this and in in order to pass the blame he began to say that the Christians were responsible for this idea and so Christians began to be persecuted uh, in more cruel and horrendous ways. Uh, And in his he was just inhumane in what yep. he did. Uh, they said that he, taught, he would take animal skins and sew them to the clothing of Christians and then release them where there were wild dogs so the wild dogs could just, of course, maul them to death or dip them in oil and uh, raise them up in Nero's garden so at night they would burn like a torch in the garden. And so you can imagine the horrendous uh, suffering, and fear that yeah. these people, the, the early Christians, were living under. And so Peter's writing this letter to address, well, how do I help them understand? How do the, and they're asking, how do we respond to this increasing madness, really? It's almost beyond just hostility. It's, yeah. it's, it's madness. And, and when you read First Peter, uh, it's helpful to keep this background in mind, because if we read it only, which we often do, you just open up your Bible and all, you have, all we have context for is the culture that we live in, what we're used to, the culture in America. But if we read First Peter with just a 21st century Americanized understanding, it loses the impact yeah. in many ways of what Peter is saying to people who are going through really difficult times. And as we gain through, uh, as we... Uh, gain more understanding even of the history of our faith. All the hardships that the early saints went through, and they went through a lot, and stood in faith. You know, it helps us to see, for one thing, in our hardship now, whether we're not alone. In the times of difficulty, when you read this, it can begin to, and this is Peter's point, because... To live with a living hope that this life is not all that there is, is what the, a, a general theme is in First Peter. There's a comfort that we can gain from it, knowing that suffering comes to all of us in this life. There's not a person in here who would say, I haven't experienced any suffering. No, suffering is a part of this life. And even as we get into more in First Peter, Peter's going to say, well, don't be surprised as though something strange has right. happened to you because you're suffering these trials. Because this is just common to people who are going to walk with Christ. And so the letter of 1 Peter is going to help us, if we let it, lean into Jesus. Not draw away and go, oh God, why, and get, uh, get angry and walk away, but to lean into the power that we have in Christ and the sufferings that will take place. And now we talk about sufferings. Nobody really wants to talk about sufferings because no one's really interested in Suffering in this life, right? Exactly. I mean, it takes some mature thinking to think to understand we are going to suffer, and we are to right. lean into Christ when it happens. We want to avoid it all at all costs because we like an easy life, don't we? Yeah. And we like it easy, yes, and we have it easy very much. So, in America, in comparison to these early saints, we let's have, let's just judge ourselves a little bit here. We have Bibles. They didn't have the Word of God. They had a letter that came from Peter and then another one that circulated from Paul and so these are the things they would hang on to. We've got a whole written word here. We have it on electronic devices. You can buy them for a dollar at Ollie's. A Bible. We have comfortable church buildings. We have air conditioning. We have heat. We have soft nice chairs. We don't even have hard benches. Hardly any more to sit on. <laughs> we have church services at kind of at your fingertips, whether you come in person, people can watch online. We have people who are taught in the Word of God. You have pastors, you have teachers. We have wonderful, caring people, like, let's say, in this church who serve just tirelessly, who no. give generously so that the church can survive and the, the kingdom and the gospel can be preached in advance. So considering, like, the true difficulty of the people that they were going through in that day and the life-threatening circumstances they were going through, I don't know about you, but it helps me judge myself, my attitude, about what I'm going through. I'm hoping it helps you judge yourself so that we can all see how easily we can complain and whine about the inconveniences of life, Oh, you know... (laughs) What it means, even like in in light of what it means to belong to a community of faith, a gathering of people. I don't have time. I got to work. You know, it's it's not at the right, the the time of the service isn't at the right time, or it doesn't fit my schedule. Some people said, I just need my Sundays to sleep in. Hmm. I was offended by what somebody said. I'm not coming back for a while. I think if this is the extent of our suffering, yikes could we handle real persecution oh i mean this is what i mean about judging ourselves like we need to understand even where our nation is headed and we need to honor and value and respect what the early saints stood for stood through went through so that we have the privilege we have the we have this holy written word here are we honoring it? Are we reading it? Yes. Are we partaking of the life and the wisdom that God has expected us to have? Because we do live in a very, uh, a very blessed time in this in this nation. Very right. blessed.
1: For sure. You know, as we as a church read through the chronological Bible and we read some of the Psalms, and if you uh, are going through that, then you understand that some of those psalms are psalms of vengeance.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, it's funny because Peter would have known this. uh, Because they were always fighting. Israel was always fighting to maintain their identity. (laughs) But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter didn't write and say, I want all you churches to get together. And I want you to have a prayer meeting. And I want you to pray Psalm 35. I want you to pray that, you know, God would make their way slippery and dark. I want you to pray that the angel of the Lord, the avenger, would come with their sword and crush them down and and wipe them off the face of the earth. That's not what is uh, written in the book of 1 Peter. (laughs) Because Peter knows now that, too, there are, and we should learn this that you're not going to have full justice here on this life. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, it's not going to happen. We all go through un, un, really unfair circumstances in our life, and it just does not end up like what we think it should end up like. Yeah. But there is an eternal judgment coming. You know, God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Yeah. Yes. And here's the thing. In the Hebrews it says all things are open and naked before his eyes. Whom we have to do with. He does not miss a thing. Everything that's hidden is he knows. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everything that is not fair now will be made right. Justice will be And it will be justice will be laid out. For sure. And the key is, is that you and I... We shouldn't get so riled up because it didn't happen in our life. Again, we want to have an eternal perspective. We need to have an eternal perspective because then we can put these things in place. We could have more confidence in God knowing that indeed justice will happen. Nobody's getting away with anything. Nothing at all. Mm -hmm. And in Timothy it says that, You know, some men's sins are manifested before, others are manifested after the judgment. And so it's going to happen. You know, so now he's writing this letter and how we are to walk this tension out between, okay, this was unjust, I was wronged, uh, but how do I live it out? And we're going to look at that in chapter 2. We're going to find out exactly how we live out the way Christ walked it out. He's our master. Yeah.
0: Well, I, you
1: know. So we follow him. Yeah. You know, we, we see these signs, you know, overcomer. Boy, don't we like to read it when we are overcomers. You know, it's highlighted in your Bible. It's highlighted in my Bible. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, I got it memorized. <laughs> overcomer. Yeah. <laughs> We we raise our banner and says, you know, victory is mine, you know, this and that and it, it, but uh, now our victory and our overcoming is about walking it out the way Jesus walked it out. And he was the model overcomer. Yeah. Absolutely. He walked it out in love. Love rather than hate, even your enemies, he said. He he said, forgive rather than hold an offense. Even those who offend you. Yeah. Fervently love your brothers and sisters. Fervently love your brothers and sisters. And in order to do that, I mean, you've got to get to know people that are involved with your church. Yeah. <laughs> we have to share our lives with one mm-hmm. another. Mm-hmm. Like that, the good, the bad, the ugly. Mm-hmm. Because we all have the good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. Come on, we're all walking toward, Amen. Yeah. We can't think of ourselves more highly than another person. You know? (laughs) We have to look to serve others rather than wait to be served. Amen? These are some of the things how to be an overcomer. Once again, our kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. Mm -hmm. Who's the greatest in our kingdom? The servant of all. This is important for us to understand.
0: Yes,
1: it is. It really is important. You know, your life will go better. I'm not saying you're not going to have bumps and bruises in the road, but you know what? You're going to be pleasing to the one who matters. Amen. Yeah,
0: it's so true. It's like our triumph over hate, our triumph over Mm -hmm. offense and unforgiveness. You know, these these are the ways that the Lord overcame and triumphed over death. And so Peter, in 1 Peter, he's reminding us, first of all, mm-hmm. of who we are in Christ. We looked at that, you know, for the last couple of weeks. But this is verse 23 of what, we were, of what we read today. Verse 23 says, you have been regenerated.
1: Hallelujah.
0: You have been born again. This is verse 23. Not from a mortal origin or seed or sperm, but from one that is immortal by the ever-living and lasting word of God. So our spirits have been made alive to God. Yes. The Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of us. He's reminding them, like, who you are in Christ. This is so important. That the Holy Spirit is the one who's given us new birth. Mm-hmm. And if you're a believer, he lives on the inside Amen. of you. Which means, like these other verses have gone on. We don't have this uh, up here yet. But it says your sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. You know, that we've been cleansed, yes. made clean. We've been made holy by the blood of Jesus, not because we did anything to deserve it or we've acted so holy, but when our sins are forgiven, we've been given a gift of righteousness. And so we're first and foremost children of God. This is our identity. If we just push back on that, we don't really meditate on that. We will live a defeated life because the enemy will surely come by and whisper, Everything opposite of your value, you have no value, you have no worth, you should be ashamed, but if we've given our life to Christ, we must accept as a gift our righteousness and all that that means. And so he's reminding, he reminds us here in this first chapter, uh, he's reminding them and he's reminding us, because anytime you read the word of God, you should tell yourself, this is God speaking to me. He's telling me who I am. Yes. Yes. And so there's so many implications for that. Because then if this is who I am, how do I live? Correct. I have to live from my new identity. And we can focus so much because we have the flesh to deal with, our natural thinking, and then we have spiritual thinking. Right? And our flesh will want us to always just focus on the here and now, the here Uh and now. And yet the the word of God tells us that the flesh of the world is passing away. Amen. And the only thing that's going to abide is the word of God. It's going to live forever. And So this is what verse 24 says. For all flesh, this is up on the screen, for all flesh or mankind is like grass and all its glory and honor like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower drops off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the good news which was preached to you. So what do we do now, then, in the time that we've been given in the Earth? Because what we do now in obedience to the Lord is really what's going to matter.
1: Everything. Yes. In
0: the end, for all eternity, like taking time to feed on the Word of God, read the word of God, whether I'm read, I can make a choice to read or not read. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I can make a choice to walk in the fruit of the spirit or just walk in the flesh. How I treat people. Sharing my faith, how I handle and steward the money that God has blessed me with. Do I trust God through my suffering? Do I think with the mind of the spirit? Yeah, right. Like this in the end is what's going to have eternal value. And this is what's going to last forever. Amen? Yes. And so, so Peter in this first chapter keeps reminding us this, this world is not your home. You're a citizen of a new kingdom. Amen. You have a new identity.
1: Yes. You have the
0: Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And God is going to, in the end, because we're going to look, see, we've seen the scripture that He judges everyone impartially, that, that these are the, this is the standard He's going to be using as He looks at right. our life. Did I live as a sojourner? Did I just hold to the things of this life lightly? Did I hold fast to my faith when it was tested? These are important questions because we've been reborn into a new kingdom. Yes, right. And it's a kingdom of light, and it has a whole, it has a whole new meaning for us in how we live.
1: 1 so, yeah. Peter chapter 2, we'll get there eventually, but verse 9 it says, We are a chosen race. This is talking about you. Yeah, turn to there because we don't have you this up You are a screen. chosen race. Chosen by who? Chosen by who? God. God. He chose us. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may declare the goodness of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Yeah. Look at this. We have to understand when the Bible starts talking, he's talking about most of the time, he's talking about your identity. This is who you are. This is your true identity. You're a royal race, a a priesthood, a holy nation. This this has implications. Listen, what's true for them is true for us. The Bible is talking to you. The Bible is talking to you. We're sojourners here. We're temporary residents in a strange land, which is this world. And again, You've got to get this dropped into your heart. You're a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. That's your true identity. It it's your true identity. You, you know, there are also certain expectations than if you're a citizen of heaven, if you're a royal priesthood, if you're a holy nation. There are certainly I mean this this letter gives us the opportunity to judge ourselves it it says (laughs) now we see america changing rapidly don't we yeah and we we see how do i respond to the headlines in the news how do you respond to what you watch on tv Uh, do you know that your christian values are being trampled on by the world and the elites of this nation. They're, they're, how do you stand? What do you stand for? Are you standing up for what the Bible says about gender, about marriage, about abortion? We're being marginalized more and more. Remember what Jesus said? He said, this whole world is going to hate you because of me. Do you see how they're layering this right now? Yeah, it's been layering since way back. But it's ramping up, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, unless you have never go out of your bedroom, never turn on your iPhone or anything like that, you don't know about it, but this is crazy. And during this time, Jesus is saying that we should live intentional. That we should set ourselves apart. We should be different from the world, amen? Right. We are the minority in this world. And that's why it's going to get ramped up against us. Just like Nero blamed the Christians for burning down Rome, now it's our fault that a man is born a man and a woman is born a woman. You watch. It's just going to just start ramping up. And that's why we have to look at First Peter and say, All right, I'm not getting dipped in oil and I'm not being put in Nero's garden for a flame. That's why we have to judge ourselves. I love what Pastor Mamie said. It's like we whine and complain about the dumbest things. I didn't get my way. I can't do this because it doesn't fit in my schedule. You know, Christianity is all about sacrifice, folks. It's, it's not about you getting your way, it's about sacrifice. You know, he's talking about us to live in reverential fear of the Lord. Yeah. Why? Well, he's coming back. Yeah. We have to have that awareness that Jesus is coming back. You know, it could happen today, it could happen right now. Uh, but the big thing is, is that, you know, we get this all the time, a uh, hooray about he's coming back. Yeah, hooray, he's coming back. But you know what he's going to say? Are, are you ready? Is your lamp full of oil? Do you have extra oil? You know, in the book of First John, it, it talks about us uh, being prepared and not to shrink back at his coming. I mean, and that means that there's things in our lives that we need to change. Yeah. We need to drop. Yeah, yeah. yeah He right. is holy. Yeah. And this is what He expects of us. We just read it. Be holy as I'm holy. Yeah. Yeah. And how does that happen? Well, you've got to understand your true identity and who you are. True. Because too many Christians are living outside of their true identity. True. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, we've, got, we've got to understand uh, these things are really important. It's not going to, you're talking Jesus out of anything when he comes back. You're not going to say, well, you know who I am. And you're not going to say, well, you understand. He's going to say, no, you don't understand. Yeah. And yeah. the sentence will be forever. Yeah. yeah. You Take a look at verse Some, 17 yeah, verse again. Verse
0: 17 in 1 Peter 1. Um, it says, and if you address his father, the one who impartially judges... According to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear mm-hmm. during the time of your sojourning. Yeah. So this says a lot to us. It tells us that there is a judgment to come. Yes. And it's going to be according to what we did. Like did our works. Our works don't save us.
1: Yep. We Amen. have to
0: keep, you know, understand our salvation. You can't, you, none of us deserve salvation. You can't work your way into God's good graces. We're all sinners saved by the grace of God. But once we are in the kingdom and saved, then the Lord says, now I have good works for you to do. I, have, I want you to be a child of obedience. Now that's where a person will be impartially judged according to our works. And I think you mentioned that scripture, don't shrink back, because there, there, may, there will be a shrinking back. As, as we begin to, as he looks at our life, I think things right then will become very plain, yep. what we did with our life. And so there's a judgment according to our works that, we, that we'll all face. And he reminds us, you know, as we read through this chapter, that it took the torture of the cross. It was like the you were not ransomed, it said, with silver and gold. The, the Lord didn't have to pay money to save us. That it right. took the torture of the cross. Yeah. You know, the pain and suffering, the whipping that he took, The three days in the grave and then the power of the Holy Spirit to raise him from the grave when when we were justified and cleansed of our sin to accomplish our salvation. So salvation comes to us free, but we do have a debt to the Lord. We do owe him a debt. Our lives, you're right. Our debt is, (laughs) I mean, this is up on the screen. Uh, Jesus bought you and therefore has every right to tell you and I how to live right and then let's just read it the next slide let's make it personal yeah and let's say this together if we see no that i think i have a different one up there let's go back go ahead to the next screen yeah here we go go. yeah thank you let's read this together jesus Jesus bought bought me and therefore therefore has every right to to tell tell me how to to live. live Now, we need to write that down somewhere and remind ourselves In of our that. heart. In our heart. Yeah. Jesus bought me. He paid the highest price. Yeah. Died on a cross so that he, I could be saved. So he bought me. He bought you. Think of what that means. So if I buy this Bible, it's mine. <laughs> so if he bought you, he owns
1: you. Yes, he so does. So he has
0: every right to tell us as my child... Here's how you are to live. Now, this is where our flesh gets all upset because we resist being told what to do. Oh
1: boy, yeah. <laughs> and why did he? Why would he want to tell us how to live it's for our good? God. Is right because he knows we have the flesh to contend with, and because we battle the mind of the spirit and the mind of the flesh. They're enmities against they. The mind of the flesh cannot please God in any way. And so there's a good warning right there. And if you don't know the difference, well, that means you need to get into the Word. Come on now. He knows the pressure of this current age is going to cause you to drift if you let it. We are a new creation. We have to understand what that means. He demands that we bear fruit. That we conduct ourselves with fear and reverence toward the things of God. Yes we've got to understand what is important to God. I mean, you just can't be ignorant about these things because ignorance is not bliss because you're still going to be judged by that same standard. And there is a future judgment. Gosh! (laughs) And it's for the kind of life we lived. It's not because, well, you're not going to be judged because I said a prayer. You're going to be judged because your actions your way you think, your attitudes. <laughs> Verse 17 simply tells us it's, it's an impartial judgment.
0: Yeah.
1: Impartial. Impartial judgment. Yeah. That means your cute face isn't going to work. Batting your eyes like your little kid, you know. <laughs> Can I have a cookie? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's not going to work with Jesus you're not going to talk him out of what he knows. Because, you know what? You're learning it here. And there's a requirement of us to know who we are in Christ. A requirement. It's demanded of us. Jesus said, learn of me. Yeah, he didn't say, well, it's okay if you don't know. No, he says, you know there's 1,500 commandments in the New Testament? Got quiet in here. (laughs) You know, we have to know that we are going to be judged. It's an important subject. You've got to know it. In fact, we must know it. You know, Hebrews 2, Hebrews 6, 2 says this, that eternal judgment is an elementary teaching of our faith. Yeah. Yeah. Elementary. You know, think of the word elementary. Doesn't it deal with the simplest and most fundamental things? Yeah, Yeah, it does. In elementary school, you learn reading, writing. You learn uh, arithmetic. Uh, Why? It's because when you go then to junior high school, what happens, you build on that foundation. Then you go to... uh, uh, the how does it work here? It's different junior high school and high school, intermediate school and then you know you go to the high school and then you go to college all the while you're building on the foundation you were supposed to have in elementary school
0: right. so like if you didn't go to elementary school
1: oh boy <laughs>
0: i mean you're really going to struggle in life right i mean if you can't read or write oh. in this world you're really at a loss and if you have no basic understanding of, let's say, math, you know, reading, writing, and math, the basics, the elementary things, you can't function in the world because the whole world is, is on this buy and sell. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how to do math, one plus one equals two, you're at a, at a loss. And so the Bible, when it says it's an elementary principle to understand eternal judgment— Think about it in those terms, yeah. that as a baby Christian or a young Christian, I need to understand this, this basic thing about where I'm headed. There's a judgment to come in my yes. life. There's an eternity ahead of me that I need to be prepared for. And then I build all my life choices around that basic understanding. So if you skip elementary school or you skip this elementary teaching, you can become a Christian and not, un- and not get it. At all, I live the way I want to live. I want to add Jesus to my life. Add I think he's too. going to, you know, yeah. be just—he'll just be here to bless my life. <laughs> and it, because if I don't believe in hell, or I don't think that one day I'm going to give an account for my life, for how I live, for how I yeah. talk, my motives—come on—how I treated people. If I make up my own understanding of how it's going to play out in the end. Or I think like Pastor C was saying, I'll just be able to somehow talk my way out of it because maybe in this life you've been good at talking your way out of some things <laughs> that you needed to take responsibility for. Right. You're not, we cannot if you call yourself a Christian, we cannot live on our own terms. Yeah. You actually what you're doing then is you're making yourself out to be an idol you've created a God in your own image. It's like, right. this is how God is. Yeah. And you're being deceived. I see many Christians doing this, and this is why we bring it pretty plainly. Yeah. You're building your life on sand, not on the rock. Amen. And the, the scary part is, many Christians are doing this, and, and we as pastors feel like, well, we just need to be plainer and plainer and plainer. And I heard someone say this, you know, that I want to know now. He said, shock me now. I don't want to reach the judgment seat of Christ and go, what?
1: Yeah. How come
0: yeah. nobody told me this? So let's shock us all now yeah. and understand where we're going. We don't want to skip elementary school and think we're building our life, a Christian life, and we haven't put this eternal judgment inside of our future of what, what's going to happen.
1: Right, because it, it actually will help us have a fear, healthy fear of God because the Bible declares the fear. Fear of God will keep us in the way. You know, too many Christians just really do skip elementary, Bible elementary school. I mean, they never read the Bible. They have no understanding of eternal judgment, its implications. Really, come on now. They make up their own beliefs. Oh, my God would never send anybody to hell. Yeah. I mean, you've heard it, you know. I mean, really. Or there is no hell. We brought we brought some statistics up for you. Here, just Christians a month ago, who say Christians, no hell. pastors saying that there's no hell. God is love, and love wins. Puppies. <laughs> <laughs> Woke cookies. <laughs> Woke cookies. <laughs> Everybody's going to go to the same place. It's just love.
0: love, love, love. <laughs> nope. No, no. Yeah.
1: They say it because they never went to Bible elementary school. They don't know what Jesus is. He is not their Lord because they're completely disobedient to Him. <laughs> if we understand, I'm honestly. If we understand that there is a judgment to come, then we're going to be more interested in doing the Father's will.
0: Amen. And it
1: goes back to He's impartially judging us. Again, that's really important. And again, He's not going to judge you because you said a sinner's prayer. You know, He listens to your words there, and then He watches you to see if you actually believed it. Lays heavy. He looks for fruit. He looks for fruit. Is the character they're living now according to my will when they claim they were born again? Listen, there's a time to grow. There is no doubt about that. And we all are experiencing growth. I hope. But yet, if you're the same place you were a year ago, or two years ago, or three years ago, there's a problem. It's a problem. And we 're here to warn you, no, shock me now, not shock me when i 'm standing, and I have no options the, because these are eternal judgments, no talking out of perpetual that 's where you go. <laughs> Fear and reverence for God, when we understand this, when we understand the judgment to come. It will enter your heart, and you know, the Bible declares that Jesus loved the fear of the Lord. If we're born of His Spirit, then guess what? We do too. And the person who strives to know the will of God, their thoughts will be different, their choices will be different, their attitudes, their priorities will be different, their behaviors will be different. And we can know the will of God.
0: Yes.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's right here, folks. The Bible is the will of God. Mm-hmm. It's the will of God. Yeah. If we want to be pleasing to Him, if you're born of His Spirit, you definitely want to be pleasing to Him. Yeah. If, if you're not, then we're going to give you an opportunity to become born again so that you could actually have a judgment that is beneficial to you rather than eternity of torment
0: and without i mean we're gonna we're gonna do a message or two in the future digging around digging a little deeper looking mm-hmm. at the scriptures around these things but just for the sake of something on the surface uh believers will stand before what the bible calls the judgment seat of christ it's really not about judgment whether this regards your salvation you know we persevere there's
1: two judgments
0: yeah there are two judgments the there's bible a, teaches. The, uh, there's a judgment for the unbeliever at death, the unbeliever goes to hell. Then, then the scripture describes, which is a place of torment. But after the millennial reign of Christ, when you, you reach the great white throne judgment because that person's name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. Mm-hmm. It says death, hell, and, and uh, the we grave are thrown into the lake of fire for all eternity for all those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. For the believer... Our judgment is actually a a judgment of rewards where we stand before Christ and we'll be rewarded for what we did in love and faith for God, for Mm -hmm. him in the earth. And so it's not a question about our salvation. It's a a time for rewards. And Jesus wants to reward you for a life well lived in trust to him. He wants to give a reward for the littlest things we did in love and devotion to him. A cup of cold water will not be missed, he says, to, you know, if I give it to a child. That he sees it. He's watching it. And, and he told like the, the parable of the talents, where people were right. given all, a variety of gifts from God.
1: Now, right, uh, and, they, that what was, here's the problem. One guy buried his talent. Didn't use it. Didn't use it. <laughs> you know, it's easy to compare gifts. You know, these gifts are skills that God has put into you. You you have a tendency some things that you like to do and you know, but what happens is that we like to compare gifts and it's, well, I can't do that. I mean, I you know, I I'm not gifted. Look at them. They've got it all. I'm I'm not I I'm just going to sit here. You're burying your talent. You're burying, any talent that God gives you is to be used to glorify God and it's to be valued. To be valued. I've got a gift. Yes, you do. You have a gift and God is asking you to use it. I mean, it's, a, you know, don't minimize the gift. But this guy, he buried his talent. It didn't go well with him. It did not go well with him. You know, we're We're talking about how that you can employ the gifts that God gave you. And as you do these good works, because you were foreordained to good works, because you were born again. Again, you are not saved by your works. But because your identity is in Christ, you will automatically want to do good works. Because that's who you are. And it says here in 1 Peter... it what was that? We have it up on the screen, First Peter. Okay, First Peter 4, 10. Look at that. Each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's manifold grace. Everyone is gifted. Our gifts aren't for ourselves. Our gifts are for other people to serve. We, you know, don't you want to be great in the kingdom of God? That's a good desire. I want to be great in the kingdom of God. That means I'm going to serve more. Are you gifted to make money? Great. That is a gift. The Bible declares having a gift to make money is an anointing of God. Are you using it to bless and advance His kingdom? I mean, seriously. Are you skilled at teaching? Are you able to get somebody one step closer to Jesus? Are you looking for opportunities like that to make a disciple? Are you skilled in electronics? Or, you know, you have an ear for sound. You know, these things are... You, good gracious, these are skills that you can employ here at the church. You really can't make, have a person take one step closer to Jesus. You know, we think that we can't do it. We failed if, if they didn't say the prayer with us and they didn't come... If you help that person make one step closer wow. to Jesus, that was a huge success. Yeah, yeah. It's giant. Yeah. It's giant. Really, we need to use our skills to further the kingdom of God. Yeah. I mean, That's it.
0: Yeah. And I think, like, today's Mother's Day.
1: And, oh yeah.
0: you know, moms, like, you've been given the gift of life to be able to, you know, produce life. And the children... You know, they come from a mother's womb or actually gifts from God. Right. And that kind of surprised me, to tell you the truth. Before I read the Word of God, it was like, they belong to God? No, they're mine. (laughs) But your children actually are gifts from God. And so you want to look at it in light of that and steward their life well because we'll be held accountable for What we did with that gift, that child that came into our life, did I steward this child well? And what would be a a good way to steward a child's life? Well, you make an intentional decision. I'm going to lead this child to know you, to walk with you. And we need God's wisdom to do it. We need God's grace to do it. We need his patience. We need a lot to be a mom, to know how to raise your child, to love and know the Lord. And how do we, we we could bring them to church? How could we do these things? It's like, well, we can bring them to church. We could pray with them at home, right? Yeah. We can teach them to worship. We could worship in our home and model worship. We could learn to impart our faith to them. What the Lord is teaching you, teach them. Yeah. Simple things. Teach your child to have a love. For the word of God. This is where they're going to find their identity, mm-hmm. right? This is their, who they're going to, where they're going to find their value. The greatest gift you could give your child. I mean, people do all kinds of things. We have money. You know, they put money away early on. Oh, they're going to have a college education. And these things are all fine and good. But the greatest legacy you could leave is that you're, you pointed your child yes. towards salvation. You pointed them to know the inheritance that Christ gave them. You taught them to have an identity that says, I don't care what the world says about you. You're a child of God. You have value and worth. Yes. You've been crowned with dignity and worth. That's how God sees you. And your child will be able to navigate through all the junk of life yes. when oh we put gosh. that inside of them early on. And they need it. Boy, don't they need it now in this crazy, mixed up world. So mothering is like one of the hardest jobs. Anybody, mom in here would go, you know, it can be the greatest heartache at times as you watch your children make mistakes and just act how they act. And it can actually be kind of like where you draw the deepest well of joy and satisfaction in your heart when you see the things, sometimes the things that they say and do and you go, there's just, this, just I love this. This <laughs> fills my heart, amen? And so to do that well, we have to be selfless. We yeah. cannot just look at our own life. To, to be a good mom takes a selflessness about it. And, but Jesus sees. This is the point. Sometimes you feel like, well, I didn't get to do that, and I had to stay home here. But he sees. Yeah, yeah. He sees all those little sacrifices that you did in love, that you did in patience to help your child grow, to discipline them when it was hard, and they wanted to, you know, you, you had to be impartial, if you will, and go, no, it was wrong. And this is the consequence. Yep. You didn't allow them to wiggle out of it because you knew that God was going to teach them the same thing. There's a narrow road we're going to have to walk. And so when we do these things as moms to honor him, when our first thought is, Lord, I want to honor you in the way I steward my child, he'll give yes. you the grace to do it. He will give you the grace and the patience to do it when we do it in love and faith for him. And when we're doing that, what are we doing? We are laying up treasures
1: in heaven. Amen.
0: You're actually laying up rewards for yourself in heaven. It might not it might take a long time in this life for your child as they grow up and never come back to you and say, you know, mom, I mean, this is one of the greatest rewards that I know I've had. When, when your son or daughter comes back to you and says, I see now why you made me do that. And I think, oh, thank God. Oh, it took a long time maybe to get to that point. Yeah. But God sees, and our prayers are working. Don't give up on your prayers. Your prayers carry a lot of power. Yes. And so we want to steward our life well. As, As children given to us in our life, we want to steward all the pieces of our life well, whether you're a mom in here or you're not, whether you're a dad, dads. We all carry influence in another person's life. Yes. And we should be purposeful. We should be purposeful and intentional to live our life for the glory of God. That's what will be rewarded. That's what Jesus sees. That's what on that day. See, we won't shrink back. We'll be like, right. I know I didn't do everything perfectly, but I kept leaning into you, Jesus. I kept asking you to forgive me and give me grace to go forward. And on that day, you'll be rewarded for it. He'll see every little thing. So let's just, we'll begin to close here. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you can give us an eternal perspective, Lord, as we go through this life. Especially the trials of this life, like raising children is not easy. Just dealing with a lot of things in our relationships is not easy. Difficult marriages, you know, dealing with aging parents. You know, maybe children that are ill have chronic problems. Lord, when we see what the other saints of old went through, they persevered. And we see that we can draw on that same grace and perseverance, to stick with it when it's hard. To stay with it, stay steady when we're raising our kids. Stay steady with a demanding job. We don't quit in the hard place. You know, it says Moses stayed faithful to God because he was, why? Looking ahead to the reward. So let's ask God, let's ask the Holy Spirit, open our eyes, Lord, to see what's at stake. Help us, Father, please, to live with a perspective of eternity that we are going to face you one day. We want to be ready for that day. We do want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So we look to the things not that are seen, we look to the things that are unseen. Because the things that are unseen, you say, are deathless and everlasting. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you empower every person who genuinely asks you for help. Yes. Ask him. You know, this. our relationship with Christ is personal. Talk to him right now just in your heart. Ask him for grace. Ask him to give you an eternal perspective. Ask him to help you raise your team. To know him, your child, to know him. Lead them towards salvation. He's listening. And we thank you for the grace, Lord, that comes. This present life is just a little window of opportunity that we have to invest in what's going to last forever. And so we want to do our best, Lord. We want to be the children of obedience. We thank you, Father.
1: For that. If you're here today and you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, uh, I, I strongly recommend you do you want to be at Jesus you want to be at his judgment seat not the great white throne judgment seat the only way to have that happen is that your name has to be written in the Lamb's book of life the only way that happens is when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ you recognize your spiritual condition you recognize that you're a sinner and he's offering you salvation if that's you in here today, I'm asking you to raise your hand so I can see it We'll say a prayer. It's amazing what the spirit of faith will do. The spirit of faith will move heaven and earth. The spirit of faith is, I believe in my heart and I speak with my mouth. The Bible declares that if you confess Jesus Christ, your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. Then you start a wonderful adventure of living out your new life in Christ. Anyone at all?